Mm -hmm. And I also like want like people and brands to understand that doing the work is not just, you know, um, not just learning what's out there. That's definitely certain a part of it, but it's really also like figuring out and thinking about, you know, how have I done something in the past that I can change now that I realize now, you know, was playing into this kind of systemic oppression that, you know, existed and that everyone was a part of, but not necessarily realized at the time that it was wrong, whatever reason. And I feel like in asking yourself, looking at past behaviors and really trying to analyze them in a way of like, really recognizing like how you could have wronged someone, how you could have done something better. It allows us to uh, really think about what we need to change and how we should change it. Um, just thinking about and learning about all these other things in the world is great, but it really comes down to how you are actually going to make that change. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you will see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Feichels. I am beyond excited and honored to bring you today's guest, Mia Kane. You guys know that I've been wanting to bring on more diverse voices and new perspectives for quite some time now, but with scheduling, it can take some time, uh, I will admit. So this was long overdue, and honestly, that's not even an excuse because when I first found anti-racism work in the fall, I should have started then. I shouldn't have been afraid of these conversations but I, you know, I, I messed up. That was my fuck up moment. And now I'm ready to move forward and to actively seek out those voices and perspectives and bring them to the show. And I'm just so honored that Mia agreed to come on. Now, when it comes to race, and especially in light of the recent surge in the Black Lives Matter movement, I feel as though there have been two thoughts, fears that kind of went through my mind and possibly yours as well if you're a white person attempting to, uh, you know, aid, assist, be a part of this work. So the first one I would say is, what does my voice matter? No one will listen to me anyway. And this is so not true, my friends. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I even made up an excuse to not speak out at first. I said to myself, who in my little conservative town or even on my platform is going to listen to a white 20-year-old college dropout wellness guru speak out about racism? Like, that sounded ridiculous to me. And that was my narrative. That was my excuse. However, within a day of thinking that complete bullshit, I realized how woefully wrong I was. I have almost 5,000 people following my voice in my journey on Instagram. And with this podcast, I have thousands upon thousands listening to my voice and the voices of my guests. And they're listening from 10 different countries. I mean, I even had someone reach out from South Africa. So that alone made me realize how much of an impact this platform could have and how much of an impact my voice could have on a predominantly white community that I serve. 
beyond that, it doesn't matter if you have a platform or an audience because most of you listening probably don't. But you, like you influence, you have a platform, you have an audience, whether you realize it or not. If you're a mom, you have kids looking up to you. Uh, Like, that's just a simple example, honestly. Like, I shouldn't even have, like, singled out mothers. I don't know. But um, (laughs) even just, like, in your typical life, right? So, for example, I was able to influence, educate, and discuss race with my brother and with my coworkers. And you can do that, too. Maybe your contribution to this movement right now and the way you use your voice is being a positive influence for change and education to your 80-year-old grandmother or your younger siblings or little cousins or your coworker or your racist friend. Like, hello, we all have a voice for a reason, so use your damn voice, even if it's just to your grandma or grandpa or anyone. I mean, you, you know what I mean. And then I think like the second thought kind of like worry that went through my mind and probably many of yours too is this thought of how the fuck do we end racism? Like that's not possible. It goes way beyond us. It goes, it's so deep. Like I, we can't do this. And once more, this is so not the case. No one person, no one movement is going to completely abolish racism in this society. But if you had that mindset with anything and everything in life, nothing would get done or get accomplished or even hold meaning. I mean, these are stupid, simple, basic examples, but why practice a sport if your team can't go to the Super Bowl or, like, can't win the playoff game? Like, why go to school if you can't graduate as valedictorian? Like, if if you go into things with this all-or-nothing mindset, this extremist mindset, like, That is not a healthy way to live your life. Just saying. (laughs) The goal right now is to make an impact on this racist society and support the black community for change moving forward in any way possible. You yourself are not the change. You are not the magical chess piece, but you are a part of it. You are a piece of the puzzle, so to speak. And that's why using your voice matters to educate those around you, to defend against racism, to uplift black voices in your community, and hell, like, even to vote. The reason I started this intro in such a direct approach is because I'm mainly speaking to what I know to be a predominantly white audience. And as you'll hear Mia and I discuss in this episode, the best conversation for a white person to have with other white people is on white issues. So it's not going into the conversation saying, let's abolish racism, because that will not get anything done. That is information overload. There's just so much to know. And so it's about like creating a stepping stone that they can start on and then like moving into the work gradually and as their mind can like compute it. So this is about like discussing topics such as building true allyship, versus just performative, uh, discussing what it means to have white privilege, which as I've mentioned to you all before, white privilege is not an accusation, it is a fact. So it's about accepting that and not getting defensive about it, uh, about holding ourselves accountable and those around us accountable to continue this work. And then just like the essence of white fragility. So having that honest conversation with someone of, hey, I think you might be reacting this way because, you know, white fragility is at play. 
These conversations, as I mentioned, act as a stepping stone towards the deeper work. And as white people, it is about understanding our own mistakes and thoughts and moving forward to change those and help change those same behaviors and mistakes in the world around us as well. That's how we as white people start to chisel away at this facade, facade, however the hell you say it, you know what word I'm trying to say here, of racism in this society. So boom, think on that. And now on to today's actual conversation with Mia because damn, it's just so good. I mean, Mia is just a badass businesswoman in general, and we didn't even have time to touch on that in this conversation, so she will be back on. (laughs) But more than that, like, this woman just has a heart of gold and was so open to this conversation on race. We started off with a discussion on Juneteenth and the documentary of the 13th. Highly recommend. Uh, And this really got the ball rolling just on the entire conversation. So to give you a Cliff Notes version of what we cover... Uh, since I don't want to give anything away. So because of the documentary, we really dive into the roots of racism in politics and society. This leads us to discuss more of that like true allyship versus performative side of things. So that's for an example of what you'll hear us discuss. You know, brands saying, oh, we support you, like let's diversify, but really it's just like a performative act. It's not like true allyship, true work. And then in this, like, we discuss how to hold brands accountable for change and diversity moving forward. So this is about, like, checking back in in a year and saying, like, hey, remember last year, the summer of 2020, when you made a pledge to diversify your workspace? Hey, how's that going for you, you know? So, like, doing check-ins like that, like, holding ourselves, others, brands, and businesses accountable, Uh, And then in this, how to apply everything we're learning and being exposed to right now into a lifestyle and making it second nature. So not, as you'll hear me explain in the thing, it's not like in school where you learn something, it goes through your head, and by the next week after the test, you've forgotten it. No, let's not do this because that's why this continual cycle of racism just has continued. (laughs) Um, We need to actually apply this into day-to-day life so that this anti-racism work becomes second nature. We shouldn't have to constantly be thinking, is this racist? That's that's not how change happens. Uh, So then in that, as I mentioned in the beginning, like the power of using our voices. So this is speaking up as a white person for action and for change, but also in other ways too. So as you'll hear us discuss in this, like there are ways that you can use your voice as a white person to uplift the black community, to support them. Uh, If there's a situation going on and you witnessed a time when there was a wrong, like, be a witness. Because there are times when black voices, there are a lot of fucking times when black voices are not listened to, when they are not believed, when their message is uh, manipulated or fabricated or just told as a lie. And we have a white privilege where people, I don't know, Like, that doesn't happen to white people as much. So if you see that happening, use your voice to support them. And the reason, like, we got on that topic is because Mia shares her experience with racial abuse in the workplace. Uh, And this experience she shares just had me cringing the entire time. I mean, it's, it's sickening. And the fact that this happens so much where a black person's voice can be ignored and stomped on is just unreal and I appreciate Mia so much for sharing this because I think it shows 
and gives a good glimpse into these more subtle microaggressions that can happen. Uh, So then, as I mentioned before, we do have a conversation on how white people can talk to other white people about, you know, having white privilege and the essence of white fragility, just how to speak to a white community, or like I said, maybe it's just your grandma, your brother, I mean, honestly, anyone besides your dog or your cat, you can talk to them about race, and that's how you do this inner work. So it's just like, boom, my mind was just going a mile a minute during this conversation. And I really hope you guys, you know, get something from this, take something away, apply something, because this work is so important. And just as like a final bit, I, we didn't have time, like I said, to dive into Mia's backstory and her own work, but I did want to touch on her amazing jewelry line. You can find it online. It's shop wealthy, like well thigh. So like W-E-L-L-T-H. Why? Uh, and it is ethical, social, environmentally friendly, moral-based jewelry line that is absolutely stunning. I want to get this gold, it's like a thread, and so, because I have double piercings in my ears, and it would look, I think, amazing with my style. Just waiting on my next paycheck, cash that in, get that jewelry, because it is amazing. Uh, everything will be linked below. Mia overall just has the best energy, one of those people you want to be around 24-7, and I feel like this episode will also just connect with a lot of you, and I'm excited to see here, uh, you know, just what you think, what actions you may take after this. If you do enjoy, if you resonate, if you give it a big hell's yes to what we discuss, let us know. Share on your Instagram stories, tag us, Mia is at the healthleet, so at the underscore health leet linked below and i'm at emily feichels or let's thrive podcast you can always reach out you can always message dm my inbox is wide open i love responding having conversations and just guiding you guys through anything that comes up so without further ado here is the lovely mia um, come here well- bacon Oh, it's- sorry, my dog Bacon's just coming through to say hello. That's okay. Oh my gosh, I love seeing dogs. <laughs> oh, oh, this precious. is Bacon. Oh my gosh, Looks- he is a sweetie. My aunt has a dog like that, and I just, I the little like they're just so cute. I'm, I'm a cat person, but I I do have like a big dog, but I love little dogs. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah, they are very cute and easy to take care of, which is mm-hmm. a bonus. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much. I know we kind of jumped into things there. Uh, oh, no problem. But I love keeping it just like casual and uh, conversational. And I know these mm-hmm. discussions can go in a million directions. So I love that. Yes. But um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, to dive like right into things, uh, I like to sometimes start these out on just like good energy type of <laughs> vibe. So uh, what's one thing that's made you smile like recently? It could be today, the last couple days, something super simple, mm. good news. Well, I mean, given the fact that, you know, we've been in quarantine for a few months and just the general state of the world right now with how the news cycle just comes out with something even worse each day, it was really nice to have a couple of days between you know, summer solstice, Juneteenth, Father's Day, and International uh, Day of Yoga, just to really like, you know, just feel some lightness in the world. It just felt really good to have something to celebrate, something to smile about. And I just feel like everyone was just, you know, 
just in a good mood during that time. I mean, I saw some of my neighbors having barbecues. I got in touch with family, trying to check in with how they're doing. And it just felt like, you know, just like a welcome bit of just, just light, which is really nice. A hundred percent. And I mean, you mentioned as kind of like the beginning of this weekend, I hadn't realized, I think you posted about it this morning, like the I didn't realize, you know, three kind of good celebratory days in a row. Exactly. Uh, which exactly. was neat. But like starting with Juneteenth, like what, I'm just curious, like what did that look like for you? Like, because I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of white people, we've realized we weren't educated about it and we should have, you know, educated ourselves on it a long time ago. But I just, I think it's such a beautiful day. And like the fact that you guys can't, like it's becoming more mainstream. I mean, not mainstream, that's Mm -hmm. probably the wrong word, but it's becoming more into the light uh, is just wonderful. So like, what did that day look like for you? Well, for me, I mean, my partner and I watched a few kind of like uh, movies and TV shows that I felt like, you know, helped to further along the conversation. It's a conversation we've already had been having because of this but with everything going on there's even things that you know I didn't realize or you know uh was not aware of until like watching things like the 13th or uh vices hate thy neighbor that you know really expanded my view because my view is really based off of my experience and you know other people that I may have seen seen and things that I have seen to so to say for me to say that I have experienced it all is definitely wrong I could never say that but it was a time to really have some conversations around just like race and just the general direction that this country's going into whether it's politically or socially or just you know our interactions with the rest of the world I think was a really important conversation but at the same time I also believe that it is a celebration to to celebrate such a big step in that direction and also recognizing how much further we have to go to actually like you know have equality be an actual real thing for everyone, not just for a select few. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I just watched the 13th last night on Netflix Mm -hmm. and I was texting a friend during it. And I was like, like my mind is blown because as you said, like there's a lot of things that even in this current climate of education and exposure, especially through social media, like there was just a lot of topics that weren't touched on, you know, like like mass incarceration Mm -hmm. was not something a lot of people were just having these big conversations about even on social media. So that documentary just, I mean, I was, I was meal prepping in my kitchen and watching it and I would just like stop like midway putting my you know, oatmeal in the oven and be like, what? <laughs> like, what? Are you serious right now? <laughs> I was like, this is such a like freaking contrast right now. Um, but yeah, that just, so yeah, I think if, if no one's watched that one, like definitely. Definitely um, should. I think it's a really important understanding and real and realizing how our government is set up in a way that, you know, uh, politicians, we really have to hold them a lot more accountable than I think that we currently do because sometimes they make decisions based off of, you know, it's easier just to continue in this direction because that's how everyone's feeling, you know, uh, X amount of presidents have said, you know, we need to crack down on crime and that's just generally everyone's feeling, you know, and I need to go along with that just because everyone's feeling like that and not, and not feeling, you know, um, being able to have the strength to say, no, this is wrong. This is like all the reasons why this is wrong. This, you know, um, oppresses one particular race more than anyone else, you know? When they told me that, um, when I was watching, they said that that 
statistic about how America has 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the um, of the imprisoned population of the entire world was nuts to me. That's crazy. And to see these numbers just, you know, double and double and double, like over the decades to the numbers that they are now, the fact that over 2 million people are imprisoned and not many of them for very good reasons, um, other than for, for profit is frustrating, but it's an important conversation to have. And that's really makes me feel that, you know, change can happen when politicians that you implemented these type of um implemented these type of laws are also you know standing up and recognizing and saying yes this was wrong okay you stood up and said that this is wrong okay how do we move forward how do we change this how do we rectify this yeah i i completely agree just watching a those numbers go up and then b the way they edited it you know to have one president speaking rolling right into the next into the next it was mm -hmm. so evident to see just how it becomes, you know, like a trend back then of what to Exactly. Say. It was just like the trend you can't go against, regardless if you felt for it or not, that if you wanted any chance to achieve the seat to make any difference in this world, it was almost like you had to concede this one thing that was completely wrong. And that, you know, does, <laughs> it's just not in line with any of the freedoms that this country talks about. So, <sighs> It was very eye-opening, but yes, recommend everyone to watch it, truly. Yeah. And what you said also about just change going forward, like that is what it's about, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I mean, even an example from, you know, a previous interview I just got off of was like with brands, a lot of brands right now are being mm -hmm. honest about like the diversity ratios and their statistics with hiring, right? And it's like, okay, exactly. that's great but are you committing to do this again in a year, in two years from now to make sure that you're not just doing this, you know, as like performative? Uh, exactly. Is, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a good thing that we live in this world to where, you know, you can have those kind of receipts to say like, you know what, in X date you would claim to do this, but you know, how has it changed since? I just, I hope that brands don't just take this a trend to just like say, okay, this is like what our numbers are at, you know, we need to change this. Okay. But like people actually want to hear from you because we have the platforms in which you can concretely tell people how you're changing it, show people how you're changing it. You know, the resources are there to show people that you're making a difference. You know, it's up to you if you actually want to decide to actually do that instead of just saying that you are and not actually do anything about it. Yeah. And I mean, and then it also comes down to like, keeping them accountable. Right. And mm -hmm. I mean, it shouldn't be up to the black community to constantly be saying like, like, look at us, like hire us, like do this. Like, I think that as a white person, like it is my responsibility to, if a brand, you know, if I'm working with a brand or if I see them doing something, like question it and keep them accountable yeah. because it's like, we have to do the work too. And I, I think that's like something I'm really trying to take forward too. like, you know, even with my smaller Instagram and with this podcast too, just doing the work to be accountable in that end too of you know of others of brands of these these places we support you know mm -hmm. and i also like want like people and brands to understand that doing the work is not just you know um not just learning what's out there that's definitely certain a part of it but it's really also like figuring out and thinking about you know how have i done something in the past that i can change now that i realize now you know was playing into this kind of systemic oppression that you know existed and that everyone was a part of but not necessarily realized at the time that it was wrong whatever reason um and i feel like 
in asking yourself, looking at past behaviors and really trying to analyze them in a way of like really recognizing like how you could have wronged someone, how you could have done something better. It allows us to uh, really think about what we need to change and how we should change it. Um, just thinking about and learning about all these other things in the world is great, but it really comes down to how you are actually going to make that change. Yeah, the way it's, I love that you said that because the way I was thinking about it the other day is I was discussing with a friend how my, you know, <laughs> my challenge in school even was I learned things and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, it's gone. It's out of my head. Yeah, you forget. Exactly. Yep. And but how it relates to you mm -hmm. is what makes that difference. Like, it's just like, okay, wow, I see this awful thing happening into this world. What is my role that I might not realize that I'm a part of it? And how can I change my part in it? You might not be a person who works for a correctional facility and that, you know, watching something like the 13th. Um, yes, it's great information, but it might not be the most relevant thing to you. It's still relevant when it comes to voting in the polls, for sure. Um, but in your day-to-day, -day, it might not be the most relevant things to you, but it still opens your minds in which, and saying like, wow, I did not realize. Maybe there's a bunch of other things I wasn't uh, realizing as well. Right. And like you said, I think for, you know, average people that aren't, you know, working in that system or they might mm -hmm. not relate to it in that sense. Like for me personally, you know, I looked at it as okay, I have influence on Instagram. I have a podcast where I share voices. Like where have I messed up in the past of not properly understanding, you know, like white privilege and white fragility and the language, you know, languages, um, things like that. And then working to apply them so that, like you said, like it's not just something you learn and it goes away, but it becomes almost like a lifestyle. So that exactly. a year from now, I'm not saying oh shit, like I messed up again. No, it's, I mean, and I might, but overall yeah, I'm it's saying, okay. yeah, like you, you kind of integrate it and not that it becomes a habit, but it becomes a part of your lifestyle. So you're not constantly yeah. thinking like, is my language right? You know, it's like you, you learn it, you apply it. It becomes like a part of you almost. Yeah. It becomes second nature to where, you know, thinking about, you don't have to constantly think about that. You've already adjusted your thoughts and that also adjust your behavior to uh, not um, to improving. Yeah, and I think a way, so a lot of people who listen to this, like we talk a lot about body image, eating disorders, you know, things on that spectrum mm -hmm. too. And the other day it hit me, it's, it's similar to that. I mean, those, those have habits and thoughts that are so deeply ingrained in your mind, you know, you struggle with them. And part of recovering from that process is exactly what we're talking about now, right? Like overcoming, exactly. like creating like a new kind of like mindset and everything around it. So if anyone's, you know, struggling to kind of grasp this, like think of it in that way, perhaps I'd say. Exactly. Well, I love that. I would love the way that conversation started. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, that was a perfect way to kind of sum up that. Um, and I think it also puts in a way that people help to understand it a little bit more that makes them understand like, okay, how can I relate it to uh, my life and my day to day? Uh, and it's, it's really helpful and it's important and no one's expecting anyone to be perfect and not, you know, and not mess up sometimes. But at the same time, I feel that that fear of, you know, saying the wrong thing should be less than that, you know, need to like actually speak out. You know, I feel that uh, speaking out and just showing that, you know, example of allyship is just so important because I can even think about myself, whether it's in the workplace or any different other places where, you know, I can see people that I know personally say like, oh, I did not know this exists. But like, 
on my end, I'm just like, wow, I know of some situations that I've been in in which I've experienced this and you were there, but like the fact that that was not something that you would have ever considered as wrong is like shocking and weirdly hurtful, but like not in like a personal way, but in a way in which I'm just like, it's, it's shocking to me that some people don't recognize this or just like, wow, their eyes have been open to say that, wow, this now exists. It's always existed, but you just had a privilege of not being at the, at the uh, end of it. Oh, I, I love, love you said that. And I'm not, you know, trying to, I can't relate in any sense to that, but what another way, you know, if people to think of this is like, right. So I, I lost my mother when I was young and I feel like grief is another way, right. Where like there can kind mm-hmm. of be that insensitive blindness to, you know, things like mother's day or father's day, yeah. or yeah. even, you know, asking like, what do your parents do or stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's like we were saying before becoming aware, I think of your surroundings and who you're around. And I think just <laughs> overall thinking, that, thinking yeah. before you speak, before you act a bit more, you know, And just recognizing that just because you know your world one way and you've experienced one way doesn't mean that everyone else has experienced it that same way. Because it can be frustrating, especially to someone who hasn't experienced that. And people are talking about something and they feel weirdly singled out because they're just like, wow, I don't. I don't relate to that at all. That's not my experience, but it's being presented in such a way that this is absolutely normal. Not to say that that person's abnormal. They just have had a different experience. And I know it's very tough to say like, how can I, you know, keep in mind everyone's experience and but you don't have to keep in mind everyone's experience. Just try to be more thoughtful with what you're saying, whatever you're expressing, whatever you're putting out there in the world on the internet, just just be more thoughtful. <laughs> yeah, a little less reactive. I, I struggle yes. with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like, do you have a possible, like, it doesn't have to be specific, but a situation mm-hmm. or time when that did happen, you know, when you were explaining how this obviously was, you know, this affected you, this had an impact on you. Oh, for sure. And yet for no sure. one around you picked up on that. Could you share like a little bit of an example, insight into what that, you know, what that was? I mean, I can think of a particular example. I mean, I'm a brand strategist and I used to work for agencies, but now I freelance along with blogging and other things. (laughs) But um, I remember just a distinct uh, example at an agency that I worked at and I started there working as an admin and I was working my butt off because I wanted to become a brand strategist. I was just like, this work is so cool. I feel like I'm so excited by it. I worked my butt off. I worked with people that I really loved create uh, creatively. Like I felt like we had such a good flow. And then I had a situation in which um, a coworker pulled me aside and said something very offensive to me. And I was shook that this person even said that to me, let alone felt that, you know, it was appropriate thing to say in the workplace. And I immediately went to someone I had trusted who was also uh, my manager to talk about this and just be like, this is something awful that just happened to me. I was so upset. I was in tears. I just could not believe it. And the person listened and I was hoping that, you know, we would get to a place in which, you know, all parties could meet and discuss like why this is inappropriate and how we could, you know, move forward. But I went through a period where I just like, I didn't hear anything. And I decided to go to HR to discuss it and then HR becoming part of the issue. But then that person that I reached out to said that, oh, like she didn't say anything to me, which I was so hurt by because I was just like, I came to your office in tears. I described everything that happened right after it happened. Like 
I was clearly distressed about it. And for you to say that nothing happened, like was really awful. And as a result about that, I was taken off of certain jobs that I really liked. I almost had no projects. And then I ended up leaving that job because of that situation. I just felt completely isolated and just ostracized from my group because I decided to speak out about something that someone did that was actually really wrong. And um, when all this happened, it's funny thing, when all this happened, uh, this person posted a black square, the person I had reported this years prior uh, to, and they wrote a caption that just really, like when I saw it, I was just like, I just need to speak out. I need to tell them that, you know, as someone that respected you in the workplace and really looked up to you and felt comfortable enough to even share something very distressing that happened workplace and then to have you not be an ally when it actually mattered like in the time where you needed to be an ally just to say like okay let's handle this let's discuss this I was not looking for this person to get fired or anything it just needed to be handled and for this person to just silence me and then essentially tell tell people that I had said nothing and that I ultimately left this job and I was just like to see this that you're posting now is just so frustrating to me and it was interesting because in line with us talking about performative allyship, this person looked at my message, wrote me about something that was completely not related to it, kind of ignoring the issue at hand. And then I just sat there. I'm just like, okay, but like, this is completely performative allyship. Don't you see this? I'm showing you an example of someone who admired you really loved working with you and you failed to stand up and you have nothing to say to even just be like, wow, I really did fuck up in that. Like, oops, excuse me. Oh, you're, <laughs> I really no, did mess I, up. you're fine. Okay. This is pro swearing. <laughs> I really, okay. <laughs> I really did uh, mess up in this uh, instance and for whatever X, Y work reason in which that person felt that it was better to kind of bury an issue instead of, you know, handling it to say like, yes, that was wrong. And I'm, I'm so sorry, but to have that person say nothing like that, but then to still do the performative, you know, uh, black square to be like, yes, I am an ally. Like, I'm just like, okay, like that means nothing. You're not helping anyone. You're just making yourself feel good. That feel good factor, I guess it's great, but still like you're not making any difference in this world. If you fail and refuse to actually, you know, talk about it, <laughs> to actually try to make some actual change, even in your workplace. So that was my little experience there. That's hardly little. Oh my, yeah. like that, <laughs> I was just cringing throughout it all. But yeah, I mean that, A, it just, you know, the horridness of it, but then B, like the avoidance of, as you said, you know, like you were being open to conversation and just like reaching out because like this is an important conversation we all exactly. need to be having. And to have someone just avoid the actual matter at hand is, I mean, that is just one, one more like layer to it, right? Of like, exactly. we put on these blinders because we don't want to see it. We don't want to acknowledge it. And we'll do the easy performative things of posting this and posting that or saying this. Uh, but we avoid the deeper issue. We avoid like looking within and saying like, wow, I fucked up too. Like in owning up to those mistakes, right? Like that's, exactly. that's where the exactly. change happens too. Exactly. And the change happens there. And this person wrote to me, which was kind of made me laugh at the time. They try to always vote with conscience. And I'm just like, okay, that's good. But like, there's more to it than that. Like, <laughs> uh, but that's an example of sometimes how 
I guess it could be really uncomfortable for someone to face it and that this person chose not to face it, but it's a perfect example in which I think people need to like look at and just like, you know, this person calling you out was not coming from a place of being like, oh no, I hate you and you're awful. And like, you know, I'm going to ruin your life and ruin your job. Sometimes it's as simple as, you know, yes, that happened years before, but I'm just at a point I just want to talk about it, you know? And people should be more open to that. And I know it's uncomfortable and it's not an easy conversation. It wasn't, it was uncomfortable and not easy for me to reach out to this person either to like bring up this uh, time in my career that was very uncomfortable for me, but I felt that it was important. And even though that person did not respond, I still felt that, you know, it was important for me um, in trying to make some change by like letting this person know that it was what they had done was wrong and that, uh, it's it's something I haven't forgot about, but at the same time, it's something I'm moving on from. And it's a reminder of how, you know, you really have to hold allies accountable. Yeah. And I mean, as you were saying, you know, it is uncomfortable and stuff. And I mean, sure, it is like it's it was uncomfortable for me in the beginning to f- to face some things. But like, in reality, that is nothing compared to mm-hmm. what has happened you know, to the black community throughout the years. And understanding that essence of white fragility um and also like deep like unpacking what white privilege is right like i i shared a bit to this to my predominantly white audience of white privilege is not like an accusation it is a fact so don't be defensive of the when someone says you have white privilege like it's not undermining your own personal traumas but it's just saying like we're inherently born with it right and i think that's something too, like besides that avoidance and that like, let's forget it was in the past. It's also just that essence of like, like you're, the white fragility and the white privilege of, I don't mm-hmm. have to explain myself to you, but it's, I mean, that's wrong. Like it shouldn't be that Exactly. Way. Exactly. Yes. It's definitely a privilege to be in a spot to which you can feel like you can ignore something or distance yourself from something that is 110% privilege. And I understand that it's hard for some people to really understand that because you're looking at your entire existence and really trying to like, you know, um, almost kind of rewire and like, you know, rethink about that you may have seen a completely different way. Yes, I get it. It's a very uh, tough, but really facing that white privilege and recognizing where that privilege exists, even in times in which you, uh, even in times which it might not be clear, just trying to have that mindset about thinking about it and just being like, okay, maybe let's, maybe something's happening here that, you know, is not okay. Or maybe this is an example of my privilege showing up, you know, it's just, it's an important check. Yeah. And I mean, in your, I mean, you said before, you know, you were working with agencies and corporations. Now you do it solo, but among, like in your career, has there ever been a time where like that white privilege kind of, you know, uh, impacted you by bolstering someone above you? And I'm, I'm, you know, sure this has happened. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is like the story of like, this is, this is it, but just like if, like an example or a time when like it was just so evident that someone's white privilege was a hundred percent like impacting uh, you moving forward in life. Exactly. I mean, I've worked in places in which, you know, uh, you're trying to, obviously everyone tries, wants to move up in the world as you get more experience, you want to get paid more, you want to get higher titles and things like that. But especially like being, and I feel like a lot of people don't realize this. I've worked in many spaces in which, you know, 
though I was not the only black person in the office, I was the only black person that was like client facing other than like, you know, doing things that uh, were more office management related. So I, though that, though some people might not understand that, that is another example of like still being a minority, even though I do have other black people around me, I'm still one person who's existing in this role in which everything else is communicating to me that almost I should not exist in this role because I don't see anyone who looks like me here. And I feel that sometimes that is a um, mindset that uh, is in like the workplace, almost that, you know, this person's working really hard to get to this level, but like, you know, let's not give it to that person. That person's like not deserving because like that might not be their place. Like that might not be what the person is actively thinking in that moment, but I've just seen so many situations in which, you know, that's actually how it manifests in which people have been working at a place uh, for less time than I have, or, you know, haven't been working on as many projects that I as I have, have been uh, promoted. I worked at a place where an intern was promoted uh, before I was, and that person had only been working for three months versus I had been doing two roles uh, for about like six to nine months. And I was just, I was so shocked by it. I was just like, but why? <laughs> and it's like, I'm not doing these extra roles just for fun. This is not interesting. This is me trying to advance and really do more work that I feel like is aligned with my interest. And, you know, it didn't happen, but yeah. And I mean, this isn't, it's not like that was a one-time, like this mm -hmm. happens all the time. Right. So it's like for exactly. anyone listening question, like, no, this, ha I mean, I was just listening um, to podcasts yesterday and oh, Bobo and Flex. And they were discussing with Bon Appetit, something similar mm -hmm. where there was a woman, you know, a black woman, and she had so much more experience and uh, not education, everything. Like she should have been you know, top tier. And she, she wasn't, she was like super low level basic. And there were all these people that just kept getting like pushed up ahead of her. And I mean, it just, you see it happen like more and more you like now we're hearing more stories about it, but like it, it does happen. Exactly. And the part that makes it even more frustrating is that sometimes in the time in which you need to be client facing, they will decide to take you and my experience will decide to take someone like me into the actual like boardroom because they want to put on a diverse face when that is not happening behind the scenes at all. And that's when tokenizing becomes a thing. And this is something I see in so many industries, not just industries I've worked in, but even wellness industry as well, where I find that, um, brands and companies don't want to actually make the changes that are needed to make it a more inclusive space. I would just rather use the buzzwords, and, you know, every, let's just on Instagram, you know, show like one black face, you know, in like a span of six months, something like ridiculous like that. And just like, you know what, that's frustrating as a creator in that space because I know I'm not the only one, but at the same time, instead of trying to treat my image as something like, let's build a relationship with someone, let's actually like, you know, have our brands connect in a way that actually is authentic versus just, you know, using my image as a one-off to be like, okay, now we're, now we've, we've done our diversity thing. It's just, there's nothing um, authentic about that. No. And I mean, like you said, it's kind of about, building like a deeper a deeper relationship so it's not let's let's use your face just to show that we're 
quote unquote diverse, but mm-hmm. maybe inviting you like, Hey, you know, we have this program where it's our top 10 ambassadors. We want to bring you in. We want to hear how we can improve. And we really want to work with you. Not like we don't want to, it's, it, I think it's like shifting from using literally using, uh, and, you know, a member of the black community just to check off that diversity checkbox rather than doing the work to work with them and listen to them and actually, um, make that change. And what you were saying, like with the tokenizing, that was the other part of the Bon Appetit story. Like they would ask this woman to do videos mm-hmm. yet not pay her. It was just for the diversity piece. And then, uh, the white coworkers were getting paid for the same work. And, it's, I mean, that's just, I don't it goes so many layers deep, I suppose, is like the, the true issue here. Yeah. And sometimes it's not always so apparent on like the back end. I mean, I know there's been a lot of conversations in terms of how uh, um, people of color influencers are treated differently in terms of the back end when it even comes to like asking about like a partnership or how they want to align and how, you know, there, there are conversations behind these closed doors that, you know, are happening in such a way to say like, okay, we're not going to pay, um, you know, this person as much for, for whatever reason. Sometimes it's not always the most obvious thing that you'll see. Um, I saw something where a brand had actually photoshopped a uh, black woman out of an image to put a white woman on top of her face. And I was just like, what? The <laughs> class class one? Yes. I just, yes. So I just interviewed. Um, yeah, we just, we were just talking about that. Uh, mm-hmm. That blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, I I was so I was so shocked to see that. I sent a message to them, like saying, like you know, this is appalling. Like, how could you do this? I understand that you know there are agreements on the back end, you know, in terms of like use of images, but to actually Photoshop someone out just to you know make it seem like more like white leaning in terms of like the diversity of that it was just like ridiculous to me. Like, why would you even hire someone if you're going to Photoshop them out? It just it's it's awful. So. It's one of those things where sometimes it happens in really obvious and clear ways that are obviously not okay. And then sometimes it happens in, you know, behind the scenes in a way that, you know, you will never recognize uh, that it will happen or that, you know, that person of color doesn't feel comfortable speaking out because of, you know, issues with their contract or just feeling like, you know, you might lose your job because you're speaking out. You know, that's a whole, (laughs) that's a whole nother conversation. That and the, I mean, this was something that was abundant in the, you know, the 13th documentary. And even with your story earlier, or you speak up and nobody believes you, uh, they fabricate a new story. They Mm -hmm. accuse you of some, like it's, it's once more just like a deeper issue of, I think we as white, like white people need to step up to, to help say, Hey, I was, you know, I, I saw this happen too. I, I will be witness like this is what happened this is wrong and like take a stand too because uh there are instances where like we can use our white privilege in that sense right to mm-hmm. to help to make a change and i think that's you know with that class pass you know thing who knows like who was working on that but like it could have been up to them to say something to their superiors i mean and say that this is not okay <laughs> yeah, yeah like it's just it's it's not up to the the, the black model that had her like, exactly it's body not and, up to her no exactly. so uh, yeah well that was just like a lot there but I yeah <laughs> thank you for like honestly that was amazing and I think it's the type of conversations like this that people need to be exposed to and like mm-hmm. you said show like all the the little ways like I every day I learn something new of like 
wow, like I, I didn't even realize I was thinking that way or doing mm-hmm. that thing. And it's about like learning those, right. And acknowledging and um, then making, making the change. So. Exactly. And I think a nice question that people can like kind of ask themselves in these situations, it's just to say like, is this decision that I'm making here helping to protect my right privilege or is it actually, you know, helping to move forward uh, this movement? And I feel like that can help people to understand, you know, what, what is being changed and what is being helped uh, by their decision instead of just making a decision because it's the easiest one to do and the one that makes the sense or the one that everyone's pushing you to do to say like actually like what are going to be the consequences from this decision um i think is helpful yeah and i guess like on that note too when people are doing this self-reflection to Mm -hmm. really like understand their white privilege fragility all of that like do you also have any just like words of advice or wisdom for having these conversations with others i know i live in a small predominantly white conservative town and I definitely do not fit in hence you know I told you before I want to move but um it's been neat to have these conversations with my coworkers, and I never mm-hmm. thought they would be open to it but they've seen me sharing on it like they, they know they can come to me you know and we have these conversations and it's magical but there's still a lot of people where it's just it's hard uh and that's not an excuse but it's like trying to figure out how do you broach this topic with certain people Mm -hmm. in your life. And I'm just curious if you've, you know, had your, you know, if you've just had any experience with that or words of advice that you would give someone. My advice really is to just go about the conversation differently. I mean, you've probably seen a lot of things online with um, allies speaking up for Black people, which I think is really great. But I think for an ally, the conversation really should be more about like, you know, how to be an ally, what is white privilege, those type of conversations, because I feel like that is a better kind of like angle for them to discuss instead of just talking about the Black experience and how systemic racism is always hurting Black people. I agree. That's important. But I feel that it's much more helpful to try to help people understand white privilege and discuss like ways in which that exists to help them recognize those things in the real world uh, than just focusing on racism towards Black people, if that makes sense. (laughs) It's a little complex, you know, a little bit nuanced there, but I think it really helps to make change in terms of like white people becoming more not more comfortable, but just understanding that privilege a lot more, understanding where it comes from and being able to like notice times and when it, when it is existing than just to be like, okay, racism is almost something that's outside of me that's happening to black people. And now I'm noticing moments in which it's happening versus like, how can I actually, you know, make a change in my day to day or recognize moments in which it's happening to actually be like, okay, I'm going to speak up. It's very subtle, I know. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, what you said, you know, we were discussing in the beginning how you have to find a way to apply this to your own life, right? For something to really mm-hmm. stick. And I think that's an amazing way because we both see that we're in the wellness space. Like we love, everybody loves yeah. working on themselves before going out and working on the world. Like we, we'll do all that woo-woo shit before we do anything exactly. else. And so it's like, <laughs> let's use that to our, like, let's, let's acknowledge that and say, hey, you know, everyone that wants to work on yourself, let's include white privilege, understanding white fragility, and then kind of integrating mm-hmm. like racism into the self Exactly, exactly. Like, you can meditate, you can manifest, you can do all of that fun stuff, but let's also do this work too. Like I, mm-hmm. 
that's kind of the approach I've been taking with my audience too, because I'm like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you all want to improve yourselves, like improve yourself in this way while fundamentally helping a larger cause that actually exactly your attention. And once you understand that, I feel like you'll naturally be able to understand those situations a lot, a lot better and be able to actually like show up in a way that, you know, makes sense. Like sometimes speaking up and saying, you know, the most intense thing is not always the best option, but sometimes, you know, acknowledging that with that person that you've seen it with, maybe even seeing what they want to do about it. You know, there's just so many nuances to it to where I feel like that's truly the first step for allies before kind of moving on to anywhere else. And also uh, just trying to figure out, just trying to figure out their steps in such a way that allows them to, um, gosh, I just like lost my train of thought. (laughs) That's me every day. Oh, but I just feel like it's 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 a um, it's just a way that I feel like can help make more sense to allies and help allies to show up in a more effective way. A stepping stone of sorts, yeah. probably too. Oh well, this was amazing. L- like literally, <laughs> I had you have such an amazing like backstory individually too, and you're doing so much cool stuff. So. Like, mate, like, let's, like, we can do a whole other episode on that maybe sometime if you're ever open to it. Cause I, sure, I'm open. <laughs> this, like, this was amazing. But I do, like, before we sign off, close off anything, like, I do want to just highlight you have an amazing Instagram. Um, but beyond that, just like the content you create is just so mm-hmm. high quality and applicable to everyone's, you know, life. Uh, I just love your message and, as cliche as it sounds, your vibe. Um, (laughs) But then also you have an amazing um, jewelry line, like sustainable, ethical. And Mm -hmm. I, I love my jewelry. Usually I'm a bit more dolled up, but it's way too hot today for any of that. (laughs) So I'd love to just hear like where, you know, like what was the essence behind creating that line and where can people, Mm -hmm. you know, find it, support it. Um, And then like, I'd love to just really dive into your backstory and like another, another episode when we have more time, but (laughs) No problem. Um, my jewelry line is called Wealthy. Uh, you can find it at shopwealthy.co. Uh, for me, it was really important. I do have a background in studying sustainable development, but I'm not the most, I'm not perfect when it comes to sustainability, but just in line with allyship, I'm not perfect, but I try to always, you know, remember and think about ways in which I can make different decisions in my day to day that can just lead to uh, more sustainable choices. So for me, I always have wanted to create something and uh, that kind of, how do I say, just kind of elevated uh, sustainability. Sustainability is not just about the resources that we use, but it's also about how we use the resources that we already have. And for me, it was really important to create uh, jewelry from recycled and refined uh, metals. That's just taking metals that already exist out there, refining them and creating something new from that versus actually mining new metals, which are rife with so many just social and environmental issues that just are awful. And I really wanted to not just focus on minimizing the impact on the environment and on social and socially, but also trying to leave a positive impact. So 
I created it from recycled metals and I've created designs and I'm working on a few more designs that allow people just to wear the jewelry in multiple ways, not just buying something to wear it one way, but being able to mix and match and interchange things in a way that it always feels new, that you can wear one piece in many different ways. So that was kind of the inspiration from it. And I'm excited to do more designs and work with some retailers on getting it out there and just a lot of exciting stuff coming with Wealthy. It's, I mean, and it's stunning. Not only, <laughs> I, I love supporting like any brand that has just like good morals, but then the fact that it's also, you know, socially, environmentally, all of that too. And then, I mean, it's, it's stunning. Like I was just looking at it last night and the one, um, it's like, I think it's like the thread. Cause I have yeah, you know, piercings in my ears. Yeah. I was like, I need that. Um, <laughs> need that like cashing my paycheck and I'm getting it. But, um, <laughs> yeah. And it was also important to me, especially because this brand was launched during a time of, you know, COVID and being in quarantine was to donate 100% of the profits uh, through the New York City stay at home order to COVID charities. Um, I don't think I've really like shared this often, but my uh, doctor uh, is someone who I've seen for a few years in New York uh, passed away because of COVID. And it really, I mean, this was at the beginning of quarantine and just really like hit me of just like, you know, how important this is. And the, to think that, you know, he could have been alone during the situation or the fact that he probably did not get to see his family. It just, you know, was awful. And it was really important to me to, you know, to still donate to proceeds, whether it was towards um, research or getting PPE, but also to support homeless families that are, you know, many people have lost their jobs because of this. Also our senior citizen population, just a lot of vulnerable communities out there because of what's going on. So that was a very important factor for me as well. <laughs> oh, my heart is just like, like, bur oh my gosh, you were just such an amazing person. <laughs> I know like, you, you know, it's just, but truly like, wow. I, I remember seeing that now when I was on the site or your Instagram, like all proceeds go to chair. Like that's wow. Wow. Uh, so people listening, definitely, if you love my style of jewelry, they know what I wear, you know, the gold, like it's, it's stunning. It's beautiful. And uh, obviously has a heart, a lot of heart and love behind it. So, uh, so people can find that right on you. You have an Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then where can people connect with you on Instagram too, just to follow along your journey and all the good yes. stuff? You can follow along on my journey on uh, HealthLeet, the underscore HealthLeet on Instagram. Also healthiswealth.co is my wellness uh, focused blog. And then you can also find me at ShopWealthy on um, on Pinterest, on Instagram, on Twitter, on all the things. <laughs> all the good stuff. Well, thank you so much. This was truly a pleasure. And uh, I just, I'm so grateful, you know, for your time and uh, being so open to this. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> what an episode. This is truly like one that will go down in Let's Thrive history because if, you know, if people find the show, this is the episode I want them to listen to. Like, I don't care if you listen to my show moving forward. I just want you to listen to this episode, hear me as message, and then do the damn work afterwards. Like, wow, I just, she blew my mind away. And I, I just really hope you guys felt similarly. I really hope that you feel, you know, moving forward that you want to do some of this work, you want to take it seriously, you want to be a true 
uh, ally to the black community and I would love to have an open discussion with you. You can always slide into my DMs. They are open. Uh, you guys you guys know that. So connect with Mia on Instagram at The Health Elite, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels or Let's Thrive the Podcast. Or just Let's Thrive Podcast. No the in there. Uh, I appreciate you all so much, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.